But uh, you can help the neighborhood. You can help the neighborhood where you live, and you can help this neighborhood. And the neighborhood will be better because we're here. And we don't need to apologize. They owe us money. They owe us a great debt. They can rob us, but we keep the crime rate down nevertheless. And for you to have more God-filled, spirit-filled churches, you can have less cops on the street. Be sure of that, that there's more, there's, wherever there's more godliness, there's less crime. And a spirit-filled church is useful in the neighborhood, useful to the sons of men, even the ones that are not converted. And it'll be influ influential among the churches. You know what I have an ambition? I don't know how long I'll be around, but I know what I have an ambition. I'd like to see this church become so godly, so spirit-filled, that it would have a spiritual influence on all the churches in the whole city of Toronto. That everybody in this city, every church in this city, would have to take off its hat and stand at attention and say, and I am not, not unspiritual in this because Paul told some of his people, he said, your godliness and faith is talked about through all the K in Asia Minor. And it's entirely right that I could hope this of you. That I could hope that we might become so spirit-filled, walk with God, learn to worship, and live so clean and so separated that everybody would know it. And the other churches in the city would, would be blessed on account of it. Did you know that when Methodism, that, that, when, that, that when Luther had his Reformation, the Catholic Church was forced to clean up just because of Luther. The pressure, the moral pressure from Luther and Lutheranism forced the Roman Church to clean up. And when Wesley came and preached, the Anglican Church was forced to, 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 read, to, to clean up some of the things that were wrong with them. That's not to speak unkindly of my Anglican friends, for I have many of them. But it's only to say that in those times they needed some help, and they didn't come into Methodism, but Methodism was a spiritual force that compelled them to do something about their own condition. And so there's no reason why we could not be a people here so filled with the Spirit, so joyfully singing His praises, and living so clean in our business and home and school that the people would know it, and other churches would be forced to straighten up and clean up and begin to pray for something, too, because we'd set the standard for them. Ah, no, my friend. Whenever you have a spirit-filled people, you have a people that can live well and die well. All these Christians die well, they said to the Methodists. They die well. Behold how these Christians die, said a man as they looked at the martyrs in the Roman days. If you live well, you'll die well. Old Balaam wanted to die the death of the righteous, but he wouldn't live the life of the righteous. If you're going to die the death of the righteous, you must live the life of the righteous. And a Christian ought to be able to die well. He should be able to do that for nothing else. Well, now, there are some who won't feel at home in a church like that. And if your hope is to have everybody and his brother on his mother's side to just come and sit around and glow, just, just put that out of your head, brother. It won't happen that way. Not all men have faith. And there are just some people that don't want that kind of church. And I'll name them now. Let me, let me go over it, tell you who they are. There are people who put on religion as a Sunday garment, as a well-pressed Sunday garment. I suppose there aren't many here, but I'm afraid there might be, so I'm going to point out. 
that uh, if we if we if we have a revival and the blessing of God comes to us here, as I we both, Mr. Newell and I want, and the board and many many others of you are praying and writing me and talking to you over the phone and. So we're we're together on this, and if this if this comes and and we are, we do get the help we need from God, why those who make religion merely a Sunday garment, they'll they won't like it very well because we'll insist that they live right Monday morning, and they don't want to do that. And they that keep uh, their religion disengaged from practical living. They they won't be they won't be play they won't like it either you know they they disengage their religion some people have a wonderful way of disengaging their religion is here and their living is here and on Sundays they go and polish off their religion then the evening about eleven o'clock they put it on the shelf and then Monday they go out and live the way they want to live now nobody like that ever likes to hear me preach nobody. If you like that, they won't like to hear me preach because I won't. I, I won't surrender to that kind of thing, and I won't surrender to that kind of people. And I wouldn't care that if it was a whole Senate of the United States and the Parliament of Canada and all the big doctors and scientists and all the great nabobs in the whole on the whole continent said they'd come and join my church. I'd still preach the same thing. Because we are to be a church of the living God, not a gathering of big shots necessarily. Though the big shot can come, they get on their knees. When the big shot on its knees isn't any taller than anybody else, you know. <laughs> you ever think of that? All right. Now, uh, there are those also who let religion, or who refuse to let religion, endanger them in any way. They, are, they refuse to let it interfere with their pleasures or their plans. They'll serve Jesus and go to heaven, get saved and can't lose their life, eternal life, and so they'll make it through, you know. But uh, they're, they're going to have fun on the way there, and they'll lay their lives out just as a gardener lays out the garden, or a woman, my wife, sometimes cuts out a pattern, lays it on a table, and it looks like a mess to me, but it turns out to be a dress for a granddaughter. And uh, we lay out our lives, you know, and uh, we say, now, it's nice to serve thee, and we love thee, Lord, and let's sing a chorus, but, but uh, we won't change that pattern any. We're going to keep that pattern. My friends, the cross of Jesus Christ always changes man's pattern, always gets in there and makes a man change his life. The cross of Christ is revolutionary. And if we're not ready to let it be revolutionary in us, we're not going to like a church that takes the things of God seriously and let it cost us anything or control us in any way. People want the benefit of the cross, but they don't want the control of the cross. They want all the cross can offer, but they don't want to be under the lordship of Jesus. Then, of course, there are those who expect religion to be fun, you know, make We've, we've just gone through, I hope we're through, I'm not sure we are yet, but we're just going through a long period when Christianity was the funniest thing on the continent, you know. We could have more fun serving Jesus than you could doing anything else in the whole world. And it was clean, too, and you didn't have a hangover, they said. You go down to the corner uh, pub, why, well, you have a good time, but you'll have a hangover. And they said, you serve Jesus, and you can have all the fun you want to, and you won't have a hangover. And that kind of Christianity for sake of fun, Christianity as an entertaining medium, 
The whole thing is offensive and foul before God Almighty. My brother, the cross of Christ isn't fun, and it never was fun. There is such a thing as the joy of the Lord, which is the strength of his people. There is such a thing as having joy unspeakable and full of glory. But there is also such a thing as joying while we grieve. The idea that Christianity is another form of entertainment is perfectly ridiculous. I wrote one time something, and uh, I ended. I said that, uh, that Christianity was being made a form of entertainment, and a fellow felt himself called to write an answer me. And so he wrote, he had an editor of a magazine, so he wrote me up in his magazine. I said that uh, we ought not to see things, but we ought to see the things that were invisible. And he said, told her, believe in going to church and keeping your eyes shut. Well, of course, he didn't understand what I was talking about, or perhaps he did understand. We're lying about it. But uh, then I said that Christianity is in a form of entertainment, and he said, Toes is all wet. He ought to know better. He said, Every time you sing a hymn, you're being entertained. He said, That's entertainment. Maybe he was, but, brother, I'm not. When I sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, I'm worshiping God Almighty. If you want to call that which they do before the throne when they cry day and night without ceasing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, and hide their face behind their wings, if that's entertainment, then I'm an entertainer. But if it isn't, and it isn't, then I'm a worshiper. The church must worship, beloved. There's more healing joy in five minutes of worship than there is in five nights of a rebel. The world ought to find that out. Nobody ever worshipped God and went out and committed suicide as a hangover. But many a man has killed himself because he had just burnt himself out trying to have fun. Many a pretty young lady goes out, throws herself into having fun, and before she's 25 years old, she's an old hag and has to have a retread job done on her countenance before she, anybody can look at it without gagging. And she, she is simply... She has simply burnt herself out. She's effete and burnt out. And everywhere you go, you find it. All these pretty actresses that you see and see their pictures, and some of you have gone to see them. Uh, why, you ought to see them when they get up in the morning, brother. They, they, have, they, they, they have to have a, a, a patch job done on their face before they dare even come down to breakfast. It's all burnt out. I love to see the grace of God in a face, don't you? I remember, well, I mentioned this once before in another, for another reason. I was among the brethren, the, the brethren in Christ, those plain people who, who all have these, these, these things, you know. And uh, the women have little black hats sitting up on top of their head, and their hair is done up in a bun here, and their ears stick out. And uh, I preach for them, and you know... I was blessed. I was just absolutely refreshed and wonderfully blessed. They, they didn't have a thing on but face, you know, not a thing. Not a thing on their head but hair and a little black thing for the angels, you know, according to First Corinthians, they cover their head for the sake of the angels. And uh, they're just sweet, you know. You look at them and you remind you of your dear old aunt back in Pennsylvania, you know, and your, your, your grandmother out in, in, in New Brunswick. And you think of all the nice people you ever knew and the sweet, good people you ever knew when you look at them. You don't have to apologize for them. Just nice people, the brethren in Christ. Now, I couldn't go among them, but uh, I do admire them tremendously. That is, I couldn't join them, but I do admire them tremendously. 
I had a tie on, you know, and I told him, I said, I, I told the president of the college where I was, I said, you know, I'm, I'm a Gentile, and I don't know whether they'll take me in or not. Oh, he said, preach to their hearts and they'll forget that you don't belong to them. And I did just that, and they did just that. Now, of course, there are those who uh, embrace religion for its cultural value. You ever meet those people? They don't know anything about the spiritual life, but or the spirit-filled church, but the cultural value of the church is good for them. They want their children brought up in the, uh, in the culture of, uh, of the uh, church. Anybody that uh, does that, of course, they're, they're not going to be at home among God's dear people. Uh, they want book reviews and all that sort of thing. And uh, they won't be at home, but there will be some that are at home, and I'm going to name them and quit. For tonight, I know we want to sing, and uh, I uh, am not going to press my length in my sermon on Jubilee. But uh, there will be some people, if we have a spirit-filled church uh, that practices the beliefs of the New Testament and uh, goes constantly to the grassroots and roots out everything that isn't of God and keeps the grain growing lush and beautiful, gears into things heavenly and walks with God and obeys the truth and loves each, love each other. Uh, we'll rule out a few, but uh, these will be in their glory. Now, who are they? Those who have a leading ambition to be rid of their sins. Yeah, if, you're, if you haven't got an overburdening ambition to be rid of your sins, you won't like to hear me preach very often or long. You won't do it, because I believe we ought to want to be rid of our sins. If I had a cancer growing on my neck, I'd want to be rid of that thing. And nobody could come to me and say, Now, here, I got a cowbell here. Let me shake it. Don't you like it? And I'd say, No, I don't like it. I'm interested in this cancer on my neck. Have you got a cure for it? And you'd say, Oh, I'll forget the cancer. Let me jingle the bell. He'd jingle the bell. And say, I've heard real cowbells on real cows when I was on the farm, and I don't want to hear them in church, so get them out of here. And let's talk about getting rid of your sin. My brother, there are some people that are overwhelmed with the desire to be free from their sins. Refining fire go through my heart and sanctify the whole. Those people will be happy among us. And to know and walk with God, their ambition is to walk with God and to follow the Lamb with us wherever he goes. We'll know each other. You know, the Lord's people kind of know each other. They do. They know each other. You know, you may get occasional bad apple. Jesus had Judas his carrot and his little flock. But uh, uh, mostly we know each other. And uh, when you shake hands and somebody says something to you about God, you sort of know you're talking to a brother in Christ, regardless whether he's an Irishman, a Scotsman, an Englishman, an American, or what he may be. We all talk the same language, and we're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, those who have learned to recognize the voice of the shepherd, they will be at home in a spirit-filled church. Now, some people have never heard the voice of the shepherd. But, oh, that voice of the shepherd is tender as a lullaby and as strong as the wind and as mighty as the sound of many waters. The voice of Jesus, that healing, musical, solemn, beautiful voice of Jesus in his church. And the people who have learned to hear that voice and recognize it are always at home where everything centers around him 
Jesus is all in all. In the early days of the Alliance, we were a conglomeration of everything under the sun, and we still are. We really still are. That is, we have Calvinists and Arminians and Methodists and Baptists and uh, all sorts of people, and uh, they, they, we, we're all together on one thing. Jesus Christ is wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He's all in all. And you know the people of the Lord that have learned to hear the voice of the shepherd, they sort of gravitate toward that sort of place. And then there are those who are sensitive to the invisible presence. They, they're not so sure who else is present, but they know the Lord is present, and they're sensitive to that. Your heart's sensitive to that, the Lord's presence, or are you, uh, are you uh, a sampler and a nibbler? Well, God help you and bless you, if you are. But the child of the king isn't a sampler and a nibbler. He's a sheep who loves his shepherd and stays awfully close to his shepherd. I told the preachers last week in our conference that the only safe place for a sheep is by the side of his shepherd, because the devil doesn't fear sheep. He just fears the shepherd, that's all. Now, all the sheep in Ontario wouldn't be a match for one wolf. And if you give one wolf time, he could eat all the sheep in Canada. Give him time. And granted, he could live long enough. He could do it. Because they can't fight back, you see. They just run, put their heads together, and make funny, pleading, bleating sounds. And the wolf doesn't mind that. And that's all God's people can do. So our safety lies in being near to the shepherd. Stay close to Jesus and all the wolves in the world can't get a tooth in you, thank God. Well, there are some who've tasted of the good word of God and felt the mysterious power of the world to come, have you? Have you? If you haven't, maybe, it's because you aren't doing anything about it. Maybe it's because you don't want this or don't want it enough. But if there are those in the church, in present here tonight, who would rather hear the voice of Jesus than to hear the voice of the greatest speaker or the best singer in the world, would rather be conscious of the divine presence than to be conscious of the presence of the greatest man in the world, who's sick of his own sin and longs to be holy, and I'm preaching to you, and I pray that your numbers may increase. And I pray that you'll tell others, this is what we stand for at Avenue Road. This is what we believe in. Jesus Christ, clean living, joyful, radiant, happy worship, good, sweet fellowship and kindliness and patience and endurance and, and uh, honesty and the missionary outlook and uh, good decency and separation from all things that are wrong above all things, to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness and to learn to know the wondrous sound of the shepherd's voice. That's what we stand for. That's what we believe in. That's what we're preaching. Well, that's all now, I think. That's no way to close a sermon. See, I never learned to close sermons. I, when I get through, I just quit. Preachers who've studied the thing, they tell you there's a way to close it, but I've never bothered to find out how. I just quit when I'm done. I'm finished now, so there's no use to go on. But let's have a little moment of prayer, just a little moment of prayer.
On behalf of Christian Publications, God bless you, and thank you for listening.